lawyer by training, writer and teacher by choice. Originally from New York, I am a proud wife and mother living in Los Angeles. Join me as we delve into the Holy Torah's teachings and apply them to our lives. I keep it short and sweet, but always deep. Welcome. Welcome back. I'm very excited to launch the first episode of season three of the Modern Jewish Girl podcast. I am Jenna. I want to dedicate this class to Chasia Bas Cyril. She should have a complete refuah shalema, complete and speedy recovery. I want to speak about about the Jewish calendar and focus in on on a certain aspect of this time that we're in now, the Sfirat HaOmer, and how it applies to our lives. So we're in an interesting time now called Sfirat HaOmer, where we basically count the days starting from the second night of Pesach all the way up to Shavuos, the holiday that commemorates, among other things, the giving of the Torah. And Shavuos literally means weeks. So each day between Pesach and Shavuos, we're really counting up to Shavuos itself. And what's with the counting? The counting is meant to mark our spiritual growth step by step up the ladder so that we can be in a place of receiving the Torah, which is commemorated by Shavuos. So when we were in Egypt, we were on the 49th level of Tuma of impurity. And now we spend 49 days counting and preparing ourselves to receive the Torah on Shavuos. I actually heard a beautiful idea that just like a bride walks around a groom seven times under the chuppah, so too the Jewish people are like the bride preparing ourselves to receive the Torah from Hashem at the wedding ceremony, which is Shavuos. And so we're spending seven weeks as the bride walking around Hashem, as it were, preparing ourselves for the marriage. So during this time when we're counting, there's a very interesting custom to count what's known as the Sfirot. What are the Sfirot? So it's a very deep concept, but basically the Sfirot are different aspects of the ways God manifests in the world. There's 10 spherot, and we're not really talking about God himself, but aspects of God, his revealed behaviors. And because we are created in Hashem's image, man also embodies the spherot within him. And the spherot actually correspond to different body parts. And my teacher, Yehuda Skoshevsky, teaches that the spherot are really worlds. They're really worlds of existence that we can inhabit in our lives. So the 10 spheroid are generally divided into two categories, intellect and emotions. So the category of intellect include chakma, bina, and dat. These are all like different types of intellectual knowledge and chakma, bina, and dat actually make up the acronym Chabad. So if you've heard of the organization Chabad, which I'm sure everyone has, they're all over the world. And this is what Chabad stands for, Chachma, Bina, and Dat, these three different types of intellectual knowledge. And then the emotional spherot are Chesed, Givora, those two are the ones we're going to speak about today, Tiferet, Netzach, Chod, Yesod, and Malchut. So if you're actually interested in learning more about the spherot, I'm going to link below. So the spherot are actually Kabbalistic concepts. I wrote an article about Kabbalah several years ago on my website, modernjewishgirl.com, which I'm linking to below if you want to read it. But I just wanted to take the time to say that even though we're, what we're discussing are Kabbalistic concepts, I am obviously in no way <laughs> qualified to teach actual Kabbalah. And in most traditions, 
or many traditions, I should say, in the Jewish world, you really have to wait till you're 40 years old to learn proper Kabbalah. And that's because you really need a foundation of Torah knowledge. I mean, Kabbalah is the mystical secrets of the universe. It's the deepest Torah that we have. It's really meant to be kept secret from most of humanity, except for a few select Torah scholars who are meant to learn it directly from a teacher, not on their own. And that's because somebody who doesn't have the proper understanding, if they open the Zohar, you know, a Kabbalistic text, and just try to learn it on their own, most likely they won't be able to understand it. And Rav Yaakov Hillel, who is a Kabbalist here in Jerusalem, says that if somebody who's not qualified really tries to learn Kabbalah, what will happen is like they're gonna they're trying to jump up so many rungs on a ladder, there'll be nowhere for them to to land. They're just gonna fall right down <laughs> to the ground. So even though what we're speaking about are principles in Kabbalah, they're obviously very simplified. Okay, so this week I want to focus on the Sfirot of Chesed and Givura, because if you look at the calendar, last week we focused on Chesed, and this week we're focusing on Givura, and the two really go hands in hand, and they're two Sfirot that I feel familiar with in my own life. I've thought about them and, and worked with them, so I would like to speak about them today, define each one, and how we can balance them in our lives. Okay, so what is Chesed? Chesed is basically defined as loving kindness, as giving. It's the attribute which diffuses benevolence to all without limit. Rabbi Daniel Katz, my rabbi from Neve many years ago, actually gave a great definition. It's giving according to the giver's ability to give. And it's represented in the Torah by Avraham. Avraham is chesed. And the Torah explains his tent was open on all sides. He was constantly receiving guests and feeding them and washing their feet. I mean, he embodied chesed. What is givura? Givura is the opposite. It, it really means strength, restraint, justice, and it's the ability to contract, to limit. So Hashem created the world with chesed. Hashem created the world to give to us, but it continues to exist through givura, through the fact that he pulls himself back, and that enables us to have free will. The patriarch Isaac represents givura. One of the reasons is during the Akedah, when his father Abraham was going to sacrifice him, <laughs> but thank God he didn't have to, Isaac restrained his emotions unbelievably. I mean, no one could imagine even being in that situation. So Givura is also called law and judgment, din. So this aspect, Givura, really limits chesed. It demands that chesed, this loving kindness, be distributed justly in proportion to the recipient's merit and not in a boundless and gratuitous fashion. And to put it more simply, my, my teacher Rabbi Katz defines givura as giving according to the receiver's ability to receive. Okay, so let's talk about how we balance these two things because chesed and givura really work in tandem. They're compared to the left and right hands. And sometimes they really need to work against each other to be effective. On Shabbos, Friday night, we sing the song Eishas Chayel, which describes the woman of valor. And one of the lyrics in the song says, she seeks out wool and flax and cheerfully does the work of her hands. So it's describing the ideal Jewish woman. And my teacher, Ruthie Lynn, taught me, my Rebetzin, that part of the role of women is to discern when to use each, when to exercise chesed, which is represented by wool, and when to exercise givura, which is represented by flax, 
we need to know as women when to use each for ourselves, our children, and for others. And all people need to know this, but it's interesting that that's looked at as a specifically um, feminine quality in Judaism. So sometimes we need to push ourselves to give. You may be somebody who giving is your nature. You naturally tend to give. Personally, I'll be honest, that's not my nature. And I've had to train myself to be more of a giver, to give more. And I find that in certain instances where I kind of had to push myself, but then I went and did that chesed. For instance, I brought my friend that meal after she had a baby. I find that I actually get more. It's funny because I feel like the way we grew up, at least in American culture, the way I grew up is that, you know, you have to preserve your energy. You have to focus on yourself. You know, giving to other people takes away from your time, from your energy. And I found that giving in the right way, which we're going to speak about, it's the total opposite. You actually end up getting more. (laughs) You end up getting more than you give. I find that in so many instances where I feel like I'm supposed to be in the role of the giver. But when when the situation is all said and done, I ended up gaining more. So sometimes we need to push ourselves to do that chesed. But the point that I want to focus on now is that chesed, giving without boundaries, is not real giving. Because if we don't have proper boundaries, then our giving doesn't really have meaning. Because at that point, we're not even giving. We're just people-pleasing, you know? It's it's not it's not really coming from a place of overflow from giving, but from coming from a place of, of lack within ourselves. And so, for instance, you know, never having time for ourselves, always saying yes to every request from, from other people, running around trying to please people, or never having boundaries with our children or rules, constantly spoiling them. These things are not good for ourselves and they're not good for other people. So the Torah teaches us that true chesed, true giving comes with boundaries, with restraint. What I've learned is that if I say yes, when really the answer should be no, for whatever reason... And then I end up forcing myself to do something I don't really feel I'm able to do, but I force myself. I end up feeling resentful. And the person who's, who's quote unquote, the recipient of my giving also feels that resentment, you know, like nobody wins. That's what I've learned. So I think when we respect ourselves and we, we say no in a nice way, people respect that, you know, we have to respect ourselves for people to respect us. We have to put up our, our boundaries and nobody's going to do it for us. So thank God often I'm asked to host for Shabbos and it's not always easy for me to have guests because I am more of an introverted person. I do get my energy more from recharging by myself and quiet. And I, I love being around people, but I find that it's not where I get my energy. It's more draining for me a lot of times. So I kind of have to balance, you know, when I'm going to host and when I'm not. And it used to be, I would push myself to say yes and host. And then I would again, be resentful. And it was just not pleasant for anyone because I think a guest can sense when they're not really welcome in the home. You know, I know I've had that experience as a guest and it's very uncomfortable. So thank God I've really learned how to say no and to just be okay with what I can do. You know, everyone can do different things. Everyone has different capacities. If you've ever heard of Henny Machlis, she used to live in Jerusalem. She passed away, unfortunately, from cancer um, several years ago. But she was famous for having basically like an open home, like Abraham Avinu. You know, she would have tons of guests. I'm talking about hundreds of guests every Shabbos. She let people sleep in her home who didn't have a place to go. I mean, her chesed almost knew no bounds. And 
that's obviously a very extreme high level, but that was genuinely her like mission in life, like that she loved it. She enjoyed it. She wanted to do it. So that's obviously one extreme. Everyone can handle different things, you know, and that's okay. And we have to be okay with what we can do. And I realized once I was real with myself and I'm like, you know, I really need a break this week. And I say, no, that's it. It's okay. Everyone understands. And then when I do say yes, and I do have guests, I enjoy it more. They enjoy it more. It's a real yes. That's one example. And then another example I would like to give is with my daughter, because it's not really my nature to have rules and and strict boundaries. And I realize it's not good for her. It's not good for me. You know, children thrive on regularity. They like rules. They like ha- like having limits and boundaries and, and understanding proper ways to act and the expectations. And so I realized that by not giving her rules and just letting her run around or not having like a schedule and just letting her kind of do whatever, it's not good for her. You know, it's, it's unlimited chesed that's actually not chesed. It's not what's best for her is to have those boundaries, to have those rules so that I can give to her and love her in the best way possible. So sometimes it's counterintuitive. Sometimes we need those rules and need those boundaries to really love properly in the relationship. You know, on the simplest level, just letting her eat candy all day. That's not chesed. That's not kindness. (laughs) You know, I need to hold back. I need to say no at times and make sure she eats healthy food. Okay, so let's sum up. We're now in the period of counting the Omer, where we count the Sfirot, which are spiritual manifestations of God and ourselves each day. And Chesed is defined as loving kindness, and Givura, which is restraint, are both necessary at different times. And the work to balance these two constantly arise in all of our relationships, and sometimes we need to push ourselves to give, other times boundaries are the most appropriate. But through exercising the balance of chesed and givura, we can develop a more healthy relationship with others, ourselves, and Hashem. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast and share. And if you could write a review on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful. Take care.